Well, good morning, Tabernacle. Welcome to our drive-in service. If you can hear me, we're going to say amen with a, 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 a honk of the horn. Ready? <laughs> Hallelujah. I have never heard such a beautiful sound in all my life. Well, we're going to start by praising the Lord in song. And so uh, you can look up the lyrics for these on Google. Just do a quick Google search. But for this first one, I'll bet everybody knows this by heart. We have victory in Jesus. If you believe that, honk amen. <laughs> Let's sing together. precious blood's atonement, and I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming Oh, 
God. One more time. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Do you believe that? Say amen. 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 All right. Well, you're a beautiful sight out there, church family. It's so good to see you. And I'll tell you, um, you wonder about the first service we had at nine. Every one of these spaces was filled and we had a back row as well. So obviously uh, we miss gathering together. This is the best we can do in the cars until we can get back inside again. Thank you for supporting everything. And uh, we're so glad to see you. I'll tell you what, this would not be possible, and the other things we're doing online without the work of these two guys over here. So let's give a round of applause to Jameson, to Eddie, for all their, all their work. And then we've got Joey here who's helping us live stream these out so we can catch a few more people that way, and then that'll be available on recording after that. And we've got Anna and Katie here uh, doing a great job on piano and helps, and so, so thankful for them. And we've got Brandon who's going to do a special for us, so we're excited about that. And of course, our parking guys and, and how all that works, so praise the Lord. Now, another way to say amen is also to flash your light, so that's good. And if anybody at the end of this time has professed faith and wants to get baptized, then you, what you want to do is you'll want to do your windshield wipers with the water coming out. Just Okay. <laughs> It's hard to gauge whether that went over or not, guys. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> um, listen, uh, every few minutes, turn your uh, car on uh, so that your battery doesn't go dead. We learned that the first service. We have ways to jump people if they need it, but uh, every few minutes, turn your car on, and that's fine. Hopefully, you're all listening on 91.9. Let me thank you, Tabernacle family, for the way you've been reaching out to each other. Uh, the way that you have been calling and texting and emailing and Zoom Sunday school classes and all those different things. Keep up the good work with that. Uh, what a great way that you're doing ministering to each other. Also, as a church family, we're helping provide meals uh, to some of the school children. And we are involved in different things related to helping at nursing homes and to other things. So praise the Lord for that. You know, it's neat how the Lord's working during this time. I've been keeping praises of how He is. I heard that in Uzbekistan, a place where they persecute Christians, they have actually uh, had a hearing for the gospel. It's a Muslim country for the most part. The Christians uh, live in the very vast minority. But they're not afraid. They know they're going to heaven when they die. And their Muslim friends, they're going into the marketplaces with masks and other ways to help their friends and their countrymen. And their countrymen are saying, why are you doing this? Why are you going out when everybody else is running away? And they say, because we love Jesus. We know we're going when we die. And they're getting a hearing for the gospel and seeing people come to Christ that haven't in the past, which is really, really neat. So keep on finding those ways to creatively do that during this time. Hey, listen, we're going to take an exit offering. When you leave, the ushers with masks on will be over this way as you go out that way. And um, what we'll do is we will have 
Uh, Craig Fulcher will be the very first car out. He'll back up and go, and then we'll have the back row get out first, and then we'll go first row, second row, and this third row that we've started back there. So that's how we'll exit, and if you have an offering, they'll be ready to receive it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Father, we thank you so much for the resilience of the people of Christ. And we look over to my left and we see these three crosses there. And we're mindful, Jesus, that you, 2,000 years ago around this time, died for our sins according to the Scripture and rose from the dead to show your victory over Satan, sin, death, and hell. How can people that believe in you be anything but resilient? You call us overcomers in the book of Revelation, Lord, and it's our faith that overcomes the world. So thank you for the various ways the people in front of me are facing the challenges of this time. And Lord, I pray they would continue to, Lord. Some of our dear folk out here have lost their jobs, Lord. We're praying for provision for them on the other side of this. Lord, and we just pray uh, that you'll help uh, when all this passes. First of all, we pray for it to pass, Lord. We know this is nothing to you. We pray for it to pass. We pray that your people would learn their spiritual lessons during this time and reprioritize around their faith. We pray that a lost world will turn to you during this time, God. But we also pray for those that uh, have economic challenges because of this, Lord. Help us to be the body of Christ and helping each other through this time. And Lord, also we pray for those that are getting a little stir crazy. We pray there'd be harmony in our homes, God, that you'd help the ones doing schoolwork, Lord. And each of us has our own story to tell through all of this, Lord. I pray that we'll be patient with one another, practice the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace in our homes, and all those different things. Lord, we invite you to be the guest of honor the rest of this time, this brief service time that we have together, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You <laughs> to worship the Lord in singing. Um, uh, I'd encourage you to look up the lyrics for Hosanna by Hillsong. We're going to be singing that. Um, if you read in the Gospels on the first Palm Sunday, they, uh, the people gathered in the streets as Jesus came in, and uh, they wove the, the they, they waved the, the palm branches, lay them at the at the, on the on the uh, on the road. Uh, at his feet, and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, praise God for sending his son, Jesus Christ, because that road, which eventually led to the cross, also led to a tomb. And that tomb is empty because Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? Amen. So let's sing this together.
God's people said, amen. Good morning. Hey, it's, it's such a blessing to be here with, with you guys on Facebook and for all of you who've driven out here today. And um, I hate hearing horns honk when I'm sitting at a green light or... Uh, when I'm in a traffic jam, but it is a blessing to hear it this morning. So thank you all so much for being out here this morning. Thank you. I see that. I hear that honk. Yeah. One thing I just want to remind us all is that we we are so blessed to have a staff that has really looked at the uh, the laws of our land and these these um, restrictions that have been in place, but have still found a way to legally and lawfully meet together, to worship God together. So I just, I'm so thankful for that. I just want us to keep in prayer our missionaries around the world and, and different folks who are serving 
who, who don't have those kinds of freedoms, who have those restrictions in place where they can't even leave their homes. So please keep them in your prayers uh, throughout this, this next uh, few weeks. As we sing this song, just want you to think about what it would have been like to actually be there to see the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, church, I've got to try to preach in 20 minutes. Ah. 
I, I did it in the first service, so let's see if we can do it again now. But turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. And as you turn there, if you got here late, remember every few minutes to turn your car on so we don't have to d- jump you uh, uh, off at the end here uh, like we did the first service with a few people. But I told you guys a few weeks ago that I was really going to miss live sports. And boy, have I ever. And what they've done is they've been going back and they've been putting on these classic games, you know, whether it was uh, Carolina uh, or whether it was Virginia or whether it was the L.A. Lakers versus the Boston Celtics. They've been putting these things on. And one thing I've noticed is the outcome never changes, The team that I knew win, guess what? They went ahead and they won again. They kept winning like they had in the past, that same game that I'd seen. Now, I remember back in the day when those games were being played in real time, uh, biting my fingernails and worried whether Virginia would pull it out or something like that, you know? And, uh, but once the game was set, it was set forever. And there's something like that that happens in our text for today. We're going to see something like that in Luke 23. There was a couple guys that were crucified on either side of Jesus. And in real time, they had the opportunity to place their faith and trust in Christ. But once they died there on those crosses, their eternity was set. And as many times as we go back and look at it, it does not change. And that is true for you here today as well. You're breathing now. You've got a chance to make your peace with God if you haven't and to give God glory if you have. And if you've not made your peace with God and you die soon or any time to come and haven't trusted Christ, it'll be too late to do something about it. But before we get there, let me speak about where this COVID-19 pandemic fits with end times things. When you read Jesus' words carefully in what we call the Olivet Discourse in Matthew's Gospel and Mark's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, and then you look at the book of Revelation, you kind of see a couple things. One of them is that something like a woman's birth pains happen before the time that uh, Christ raptures his church. Um, And uh, when a woman is in labor, her contractions get closer together and get more painful, don't they? And you know the baby's coming. And as Jesus presents the times before the tribulation, he says there will be things like earthquakes and pestilences, and every time is a reminder for us that Jesus is coming, ready or not, we've got to be ready. And then after the rapture of the church, the Bible describes a time of seven years when the Antichrist figure will rule on earth in a one-world government type way, and during that time there will also be pestilences and earthquakes and things like that. So we're in the time before the tribulation. Now let me just pause for a second and say, if the church goes through the time of the tribulation, it won't be a problem because Jesus will be with us. But I believe Revelation 3.10 does promise that the church of Jesus Christ, everybody who's truly born again, will be raptured up to heaven, will be caught up into heaven Uh, meet the Lord in the sky, he'll bring us back to heaven. And then after the time of the tribulation, seven years later, he will uh, return with his bride, with the church, and come and rule and reign on earth. I think that's how all the prophecies lay out, Old Testament, New Testament, book of Revelation, etc. So where does COVID-19 things fit in? Well, it's part of those birth pangs, things that are happening. And what's happening is the stage is being set for all the things we read about in the book of Revelation. The Antichrist figure will use one world government. And isn't it, isn't, excuse me, <laughs> isn't it amazing that during this time how quickly 
when people are uh, frustrated and in, almost in panic mode, how quickly they will forfeit their rights and look to a centralized government to answer things for them. And because we're staying safe, we respect that now and we're following that. But there will come nefarious leaders in the end times who will use that one world government apparatus against the, uh, all the people on earth. And so this is stage setting things. It's time to be very sober as we look toward the future. Now, if you're here and you're struggling, you're a little bit on the fence, and you're saying, well, I, I, I want to love the Lord, but my friends say all these different things, and I want to uh, be with my worldly friends and things like that too. Um, this is your time to so cement your faith in Christ that you don't go back anymore. When I was a child, we used to go to Colonial Beach. And at Colonial Beach, we'd catch those wonderful blue crabs in pots. Oh, yeah. We'd catch them there, right? And we would boil them in water and then eat them, and it was great. Now, when, it was great for us, not the crabs. But when we put those crabs in the boiling water, you know what inevitably one of them would try to do? One of them would try to grab onto the top of the pot and get up out of that thing. But what would happen? All the other crabs would grab on to the, to the crab and not let it. They were, pulling, they were pulling that crab that wanted to escape back into the boiling water, into the hot place. And every once in a while, we'd put a spoon in there, a, a wooden spoon, and a crab would latch onto that, and we'd lift it up, and there'd be five or six all connected to each other, all the ones saying, no, you come back down here. We don't get out of this. You don't get out of it either. Whatever's happening happens together. And there are people like that in the world that will try to drag you down, pull you back, keep you from experiencing God, keep you from growing during this time. Don't you let them. Well, turn to Luke 23 if you haven't already. I'm going to read verses 32 to 43. It says, there were also two others, criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, that's the Latin, the Greek word is, uh, the Hebrew word is Golgotha. It was Skull Mountain, the place of the skull where people's bodies rotted and all that was left were the skulls. When they came to the place of the skull, there they crucified Jesus and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they divided his garments, the soldiers did, and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. The other gospels let us know those two thieves were both mocking Jesus. They were criticizing him along with the rest, just like those crabs pulling each other down. Verse 38 says, an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek. That was the cultural language. In Latin, that was the ruling uh, language of Rome. And Hebrew, that was the religious language, the people of Israel. And the sign said, this is the king of the Jews in those languages. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God? seeing you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, we deserve this. We're receiving the due reward, the penalty of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about two kinds of thieves, two kinds of sinners. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace to us, your goodness to us, the truth of your word. 
Thank you for what you did 2,000 years ago this week, dying in our place of judgment, dying on the cross for our sins. It was your love that made you willing to do that. It was your perfect life on earth that made you able to do that. Thank you for dying, conquering the grave, rising from the dead, showing your victory over Satan, over sin, over death, over hell. I believe, we believe, and Lord, we place our faith and trust in you. I pray that you'll bless this message as you alone can do. May your spirit reign in this place right now. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, as I alluded to in the prayer, this coming Friday will be Good Friday. We've got three crosses over here to represent Jesus dying on the cross and also the two thieves that were there. And we know that it was a remarkable week for Jesus. So many things happened. We were studying some of them in the Gospel of Luke when our time was interrupted by this shutdown that we've had. And I think about how remarkable it was. Jesus had been arrested in the middle of the night and he'd been brought before the high priest in the Sanhedrin. The trial they held was illegal. It wasn't supposed to be held in the middle of the night. They couldn't get witnesses to come forward. Finally, they pushed forward two false witnesses, and even those witnesses disagreed about the details that they were talking about. And uh, they said, this man said that he will destroy the temple and in three days raise it up. And, but they didn't even agree about that, the Bible reports. They were back and forth. Finally, Caiaphas, in frustration, the high priest, he looked at Jesus and said, tell us plainly if you are the Christ, that's the Greek word, the Messiah, that's the Hebrew word, if you're the anointed one, the Son of God, the one who was to come. And Jesus said, you said it, and in the future you're going to see the Son of Man sitting next to the right hand of power and coming on the clouds. Well, Jesus was saying that he was the God that Daniel spoke about in Daniel chapter 7 that would one day come to earth, the God-man that would come to earth. And the priest at that moment tore his robes. This man is blaspheming. Well, it's only blasphemy if it's not true. It was true. Jesus is God. He was on earth. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. So really the other man was blaspheming, not him. Now, if they had been able to execute Jesus at that moment, they were Jews. So what would they have done? They would have stoned him according to the law, right? They would have stoned him with stones. But they were under Roman authority, so they could not put anybody to death that way. And so what did they do? They said, we've got to go to Pilate. We've got to get him to crucify this man, to execute him by Roman crucifixion. One of the most harsh uh, uh, forms of punishment ever devised, cruel, sadistic, in fact, the word uh, excruciating comes from that word crucify, excruciating the pain that it was for those that suffered it. Well, they brought Jesus to Pilate. Pilate was in his robe. It was early morning, and they wouldn't even come in the palace to see him. See, they wanted to keep their religion going, but they didn't want Jesus in their life. They said, if we go inside with you, you're a pagan. We can't be inside with you. You'll defile us, and we can't do our religious thing. We need you to just take him in and do this like we say. And Pilate said, okay, I understand your religion. Hey, tell me uh, what the charge is against this man. And they looked at him and said, if he was not an evildoer, we would not have brought him to you. Ha! And... Pilate said, you know, I'm going to need a little bit more than that. And they said, look, well, they knew they couldn't talk about blasphemy. So they said, hey, listen, you know what about this Jesus? This Jesus, um, he uh, made some claims against Rome. He told people not to pay their taxes, which of course was a lie. And this Jesus says that he's the king of the Jews. Well, that makes him a direct threat to the emperor. And so you need to deal with this insurrection, Jesus. And Pilate thought, well, I guess I have to investigate that. 
in the back room in the praetorium there was a guy named Barabbas who had actually done an insurrection against Rome, had been responsible for murdering people. And so Pilate needed to check out this about Jesus. And so he did. The more he talked to Jesus, the more he realized this was sh- these were sham accusations and there was no basis to really go forward with it. And so Pilate was wondering what to do. His wife had said, I have had a dream. Don't have anything to do with Jesus. He's a righteous man. Don't don't mess with him. And so Pilate was afraid. And then he realized old Herod was in town. Herod was the governor of up in Galilee where Jesus was from, right? Nazareth area. And so what did he do? He said, Herod, you try Jesus. And Herod, like, that's great. I've always wanted to know a little bit more about Jesus. But Jesus wouldn't play Herod's game. And so Herod got frustrated, just beat Jesus up a lot, and then sent him back bloodied and bruised uh, before Pilate. And Pilate thought, oh no, what am I going to do? This man is righteous. I've got no charge against him. So he said, I know. They've got a custom. They always release a prisoner out of goodwill, out of recognition for what the Passover means to this people. How back in the Passover days that they... um, sacrificed the Passover, put the blood over the door, and Israel was able to have their sins passed over on judgment time because they had the blood applied to their heart. So they had this tradition, release a man during that time. And he said, I'll give them the choice between Barabbas and Jesus, and surely they'll take Jesus instead of Barabbas. But to his dismay, the crowd said, send us out Barabbas. Now, you know what was going on there. Peter had denied Jesus. And most of those that loved Jesus were also afraid. They weren't anywhere near the events that were happening. They were cowering, wondering what was happening. And so the priest paid off the common person and the crowd yelled, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And if you listen close enough, you can hear your sinful heart trying to justify yourself there saying, crucify him, crucify him. I'm not as bad a person as the Bible says I am. Crucify him, crucify him. And we were there on that day, as Brandon sang about, in the spiritual sense. Thank God we were also there, those who believe in the spiritual sense of identifying with his death for us and identifying with his resurrection. Amen? Amen. So here's what happened. Pilate pronounced Jesus innocent, but crucified him anyway to appease those crowds. But they had been stirred up by the leaders. But think about what I, was, I just said. Jesus was declared innocent, but crucified anyway. And when I think about the pages of history, I can't think of any other case where somebody was declared innocent and still executed. We've heard of stories where people were found guilty either by a mistake or by a sham trial of some kind and then executed. Later, their innocence was made clear. But only here do we read of somebody declared innocent and yet still executed. And the reason that happened was because something larger was going out on to fulfill the words of the Old Testament prophets. At least three different times the prophets had predicted that the Messiah would be pierced for the sins of the people. Isaiah 53 said, all we like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid the iniquity of all of us on him. Jesus was presenting himself to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world the same way the Old Testament sacrifices had been presented. And as we read a moment ago here in Luke 23, Jesus was crucified between these two thieves. The Bible makes clear that at first they mocked him, but then one of them started changing their mind. He started looking at Jesus and the way he was dealing with this situation. They started remembering what they had heard about his miracles, what they had heard about his teaching. And that thief said, you know what? 
He's done nothing wrong. I have, but he hasn't. And he rebuked the other thief for mocking Jesus. Folks, there were two kinds of thieves there that day. Both were guilty sinners, but one continued rejecting the Lord while the other one turned to the Lord and became a different kind of sinner. And there are two different kinds of sinners that are here today. There are sinners that have been saved by God's grace and owe their salvation completely to Jesus, and they regularly remember that in praise. And there are sinners that have never turned to Jesus and are still under the wrath of God. Psalm 90.11 says something remarkable. This is in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It says, Your wrath, O God, matches the glory that is due your name. In the Hebrew Old Testament, there's just two words there. The first one is yirah, which is fear or reverence. And the second one is ibrah, which is wrath. What it's saying is, God, as much reverence of you is expected, that's how much wrath will be extracted. So let me give you an equation here. You students are out of school right now. You're having to do some online work, maybe, and give you some math here to help you during this time. This is free of charge. On the top is the glory that God expects from your life, the way he made you, the talents he's given you, all the different things. On the top level is the glory, the reverence that God deserves from your life. What is being subtracted from that is the glory you have actually brought him. The glory you've actually brought him. And when you get to the bottom, what is it equal when you subtract that out? The wrath that is due you, according to Psalm 90, verse 11. What does that mean? That means that you and I are glory thieves. None of us have glorified God to the extent that we could have. We've robbed God of the glory he deserves as our creator. And the amount of reverence and glory he expected from you, that is the glory deficit you have between you and God. And that deficit is immense. Our problem is we judge each other's each other on maybe a scale of one to a hundred, right? And we think, well, I'm a 70, but that guy's a, a 65, so I'm better than them. And we judge each other like that. We like what we see. Sometimes we say, I'm better than that person, and they go to church, so I don't need what they have. And God says, you've got it all wrong. It's as if the real scale is one to a trillion, and none of you humans make it past a hundred. And from a, a trillion level where Jesus is looking down, all of us are so far from him. That's why Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We see our sins as no big deal, but we're using our standard and that will not be the standard that God uses. He will use the glory deficit standard. Hebrews 7.25 says, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the coming judgment. Then the coming judgment. So every person on earth was in big trouble. That's the bad news. But in our text for today, we see the good news. Jesus was dying on the cross, not for his own sins. He was innocent. He was dying on the cross for the sins of the world. And for those that receive him, his perfect righteousness will count for them on judgment day. Turn to Romans 3. Romans 3. We read you Romans 3.23 a minute ago, but let's read it and the verses that come right after it. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But look at the next verse. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, an atoning sacrifice by his blood, through faith 
to demonstrate God's righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. On the cross, there are two intersections. There is a vertical up and down. There's a horizontal one. And on the cross, God's love for you and his justice towards sin intersect. Satan is constantly accusing and he's saying, Danny Campbell doesn't deserve to go to heaven. Those folks of the tabernacle don't deserve to go to heaven. Nobody in Danville deserves to go to heaven. Let them all come to hell with me. He's like the crab pulling back. And God says, no, Satan, you need to look to the cross because at the cross, I took the sinner's place, all those who will acknowledge me by faith. And when I look at Danny Campbell, I don't see Danny Campbell's sin anymore. I see the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away his sin. And the same thing is true for you if you believe. There are two kinds of thieves that day. There's two kinds of sinners here today. The first is sinners that are still under the wrath of God because they refuse to turn to Christ. John 3.36 says, The one who believes has life, but the one who does not believe will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on them. The one thief next to Jesus never stopped mocking, and as sure as we read the text, we know that he's in Hades today. The second are sinners who have been saved by God's grace and are careful to give God the glory he is due for saving them on the cross. In Luke 23, 43, Jesus answered that thief's faith, that thief that looked to him for salvation, looked away from himself and looked to Jesus for salvation by saying, today you will be with me in paradise. Aren't those sweet words? Today you will be with me in paradise. Well, I mentioned those classic games I watched, you guys, and the outcome never changed. They always remained the same. And then I think about Luke 23 here. While those events were happening, both thieves could have turned to Christ, but only one did. One stayed among the biggest losers of all time. One got among the biggest winners of all time. No matter how many times we read this story, the one thief is bound for hell and the other is bound for paradise. As good as done before he reached out to Jesus, because he reached out to Jesus. The details never change and they never change for you if you turn to Christ. Someone here today, your destiny can change from going to hell to going to heaven based on what Jesus has done for you. You can get your positional place in paradise, in heaven, reserved for you after you die. I can't go back and plead with the lost thief to get right, but for you, dear sir, for you, dear madam, for you boys and girls that are here, I can plead with you. Don't be pulled back to the world's ways. Take this time right now during this time to look to Jesus and be saved. William Jennings Bryan said, destiny is not a matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. It's not something to be waited for. It's something to be obtained. Won't you obtain it today? Bow your heads, please. Now, if you're a believer here listening to my voice, let me encourage you to give God thanks for saving your soul, for what he did for you on the cross 2,000 plus years or so ago this week. If you're not a believer, why not make this the day of your salvation? Oh, you'll always remember that it happened at the tabernacle's first ever drive-in service. If you'll provide the sinner, he'll be your savior. Don't be the thief that rejects anymore. Change your destiny in live time. The Bible says those that do are transferred from the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, to the kingdom of light. Won't you achieve your transfer today by faith, letting the blood of Jesus forgive your sins and him come into your heart and life. If that represents you, say a prayer something like this now in the quietness of your heart directly to the Lord. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner 
and you are so right to judge my sins. Dear God, I pray now that you will forgive my sins and come into my heart, come into my life. I believe that you died for my sins, Jesus. I believe you rose from the dead. You're victorious. And I want the victory that comes to me by faith. Attribute your own righteousness to me through faith right now, Lord, I pray. I pray for that, Lord. And I pledge to follow you the rest of my days. Show me what that looks like in these days ahead. In your name I pray. Amen. Woohoo! All right, folks, just a few more things. If you did pray to receive Christ, I'd love you to text me, email me this week, send up a smoke signal, you know, some way of letting me know. Doves, uh, send them toward Ringgold and they'll get to the house there. Um, and uh, some way, call us any way that we'd like to talk to you more. Maybe we could even do a Zoom uh, discipleship time or something like that. Encourage you to get in on one of our Zoom Sunday school classes. Um, when we exit in just a moment, and I'll point you the way, we're going to do it like we talked about. We're going to have Craig back up and, or uh, April back up and go, and then we'll do the back row and then the first, second, and third row there, even though there's not much third row, so if you sneak in, we'll, uh, we'll be okay with that. Also, pray for me this month. I'm trying to do a Book of Revelation devotional during this month. I'm about 25% done, and uh, I need your prayers. I'm trying to do two a day. It takes about two hours to do each one. I'm relying on past study as well as some present things being put in there too. But uh, pray that I can get that done by the end of April for you guys. And uh, next week, we're having three services. We filled it up both times today. We're going to do a 7 a.m., a 9 a.m., and a 10.15. They will all be identical services. So don't come at 7 and loop back around again. They're identical services. And uh, let me add something in. Uh, we are going to, at each of those services, give a prize to the car that is decorated the best for Easter. So how about that? Um, you know, you got graduates, you do things for that. You got uh, uh, state championship volleyball tournaments and stuff like that. Let me encourage you to uh, let me encourage you to, uh, to to do it up, and we'll give a prize at each one. So, with that said, God bless you. We love you so much, and we're exiting now. Let's go ahead. We'll start with April there, and again, thank you so much for coming to this service. God bless you. We'll see you soon.